I want to do a quick recap and, and really what is the third and final part of the series we've been uh, sort of walking through called Priest. So this is the third and final part. And so I want to do a brief uh, recap, uh, re- really not just to remind you, but to also remind remind me. We've been talking around First Peter 2 verse 5. It says, you speaking to believers as living stones. And I am going to go fast. I want to get to where I, I need to go. But it says, you speaking to believers as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So to the Christian who is here today, you and I, according to this passage of Scripture, we are one of many living stones who are part of a spiritual house that God is building. And in that spiritual house, it tells us we are part of a holy priesthood. In fact, two verses later, verse 9, it says we're part of a royal a priesthood. And so we've been talking about what is it that priests do? The priest's job is, as we could see in that verse, is to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? Ones that are acceptable and pleasing to God. The priest understands that. The priest gets that. The, 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 the priest, and we are priests, the priest understands that their role in the house that God is Building is not about what pleases them or what is acceptable to them or what is good or convenient to them. They understand this is not about them, it's about Him. Can I hear an amen, amen. in this house? And, and again, I'm speaking to culture here. I'm, I'm wanting to set a change. I want to I shift some uh, maybe thinking in the life of our church. And so what, what the, the priest understands that it was and always is first and foremost about what pleases and is acceptable to God. The God of the Bible, the God of the Bible is not, we need to understand this, He is not an impersonal cosmic force. God is a person. And uh, I just want to be clear in this new crazy age that we, we live in, that His preferred pronouns are He, Him, and His, somebody say, Amen. God is a person. I couldn't resist that. God is a person, not an impersonal cosmic force. He is a he, not an it. And so uh, Christian worship is finding out what God's personal preferences are, what he likes, and then we do what he, he likes. We don't set the terms. I think it's so important that we get this again and remember it. We don't turn up and say, this is how I'm going to do it. No, we, say, we don't set the terms. He does. God sets the terms of his worship. God sets the direction of his worship. It's not for us to decide. He tells us what he likes, and then we do what he likes. He decides what's an acceptable sacrifice, not you, not me. And you can see this all throughout Scripture. You can see it, of course, in Genesis chapter 4, the offerings of, of, of Cain and Abel, one accepted, one rejected. You can see it in Exodus and Leviticus, uh, all through those, the, the, those, those narratives there. You can see it there systematically. God lays out all that is to happen in the tabernacle, all that is to, to happen in the tent of meeting in great detail. He doesn't leave it up to, well, you just do whatever you... No, he lays out how he desires to be worshipped. 
Even in Ezekiel this week, in my uh, daily reading, I could see again in Ezekiel's dream of the tabernacle, again, so many things laid out, line upon line. Of how God desires to be worshipped. And I want to make it clear, that's what makes it, because in pagan societies, no one knows how to please the gods. The God of the Hebrews made it exactly clear so people could understand and know what and why they were doing what they were doing. So last week, from the New Testament perspective, we, we talked about the fact that at the cross, we know that Jesus was our once and for all sacrifice. Because sacrifice is not just an Old Testament thing. It's not just an Old Testament, oh, that was just the Old Testament. I mean, we're, no, 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 it's a New Testament thing too. We're, we're being talking about New Testament here. And last week, from a New Testament perspective, we talked about the fact that at the cross, we know Jesus was our once and for all unique sacrifice. We have been made holy. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing we can do. We can earn it by it through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And then it goes on. We didn't read this. I, I'm reading this is new today. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on talking about the old covenant. He says, this, this is how it was. He's like, day after day, priests stand. You see, priests are very busy. They got no, they got a, there's a lot going on. And so it said, day after day, priests stand and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Jesus, when Jesus, this priest, our high priest, but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, what does it say he did? He sat down. He sat down. We're at the right hand of God. You've got to understand he's taking care of your sin business. He's taking care of your, your guilt and your shame and all of those things. Once and for all, would you stop reliving that which God has already taken care of? Somebody say amen in this house. You've got to understand he has taken care of that and he sat down. Priests don't sit down. They're busy. They've got things to do. But Jesus, once and for all, took our sacrifice, took, took, took our, our sin, our shame, our guilt, and he sat as he, he dealt with it on the cross where he, where, where he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It's done. I'm spitting. You know it's going to be good today. And he sat down. So stop striving. Stop trying to live out and trying to sort it all. He's done it. He's taken care of your sin. He's taken. Oh, man, I, I wish I could just. Oh, hallelujah. As Christians are always struggling all the time. I don't know, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. I don't care what you feel. We've got to look at what Christ has done. We've got to think about your position, not your condition. Stop worrying about your condition. He's taken care of that. You're made right in him. He's made you holy. I, well, I don't feel holy. It doesn't matter what you feel. It's what he's done. It's what he's accomplished. Yes. Our sin has dealt with our guilt, our shame once and for all. That's ultimately what the Christmas story yes. is about. Yeah. Matthew 1 verse 21, it says, She will, speaking of Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because... He will save his people from their sins. 
Jesus' name means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Not only that, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To all who did receive him, to those who believed. Are there any believers in here? About five of you, I said, is there any believers in here today? It says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. You want to people talk about rights? You want to know what your rights are today? Here's your rights. He gave them the right to become the children of God. I'm no longer a slave. I'm free. I am a child of God. Not because of anything you've done, but because of all that he has done. Give him some praise and glory in the house. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. The priest's job is to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? Ones that are acceptable and pleasing to God. So what what is it that we can bring? What is it that we can present? To him, we, 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 from a New Testament perspective, we understand that Jesus is our once and for all sacrifice. So what do we bring? What are these sacrifices that are acceptable to God? Hebrews 13, we, we, we saw through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise to God. I hope you've turned up different today. I hope you've come, come in here ready and I could sense it in the room that I'm ready to praise God. I'm ready to bring something here today. That, that we would offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips. Acknowledge his, that acknowledge his name. Then do not neglect to do and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So, so, so we bring, I hope you brought a sacrifice of praise today. I hope you're ready to share and do it because our desire as priests is to minister to God first and then to minister to others and we share what we have. And then we understood that, that Paul takes it up a notch. In Romans 12 verse 1 he says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies, to present temple language, tabernacle language, to freely give, to freely offer Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, which the King James Version says is your reasonable service. This is reasonable, for God has given everything. This is reasonable. Would you present your life? God's saying, would you present your life to me? You're all to me. And I guess in, in, in our walk, even today, that is our challenge. That is our, uh, that, that is our challenge, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Would we give our all to him in every area and aspect of our life? We don't just give ourselves for an hour on Sunday. Well, it might be a little bit longer today. We don't just give ourselves... To that, that we, we give all of us and every part and fiber of our, our being. That's the challenge. And so today as we, we talk together, I, I, I want to I look at two Hebrew words, Yod and Kabad, that will hopefully help put a, a bow, if you like, on this package we've been talking about, this this priestly package, I want to put a bow on it today by talking about these two Hebrew words. 
Yad and Kabad. As we close off this series. You know, we've talked about the fact that King David loved God's tabernacle. It was the place where daily sacrifices, if you've been around the Bible for a while, you would understand. It's the place where daily sacrifices were offered to God, where, where, where one could be close. It's as close, even Jews to this day head to Jerusalem because they, they, they desire to be the wailing walls, the closest point to the Holy of Holies. And so we, did, we know David wanted to be there. And in Psalm 141 verse 2, it says, Let my prayer. David's like, he, he's struggling to, to hide from Saul. He's trying to get away. So he wants to be in Jerusalem. He wants to be near the tabernacle. He wants to be in that place, but he can't. And, and, so, and so he's saying, Let my prayer be counted as incense. The incense is that which is closest to the curtain. Closest to the holy of holies. He said, let, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The Hebrew word for hand is the word yad. Everybody say yad. yad. It's the word yad. To, to wave the hand. To wave the hand is, is the word yada. The English transliteration of, of yada is the word Judah from where we get the word praise. Judah means praise, but it, and we're, of course we've been talking about a sacrifice of praise, the lifting of our hands, our yad. But it literally means a wave of your hand. And so David in the psalm is like, let, let the lifting of my yad, let the lifting of my my yard be as the evening sacrifice. As in God, I, I know the things that you like. I, I know what you're into. You have you have preferences. You you want me to bring stuff to you so that so that you God can see that that my heart is in this. My heart is in this. Like like like, I, I, I want to bring this to you so you can, you, you see from my yard that my heart is in this. Like, like, this costs me something. See, David understood sacrifice. And to be honest, I, I think the, the, the modern church today, globally, especially maybe the Pentecostal church, just, you know, us starts in the house of God. The modern church, if we think about it, has all but lost the idea of sacrifice. Mainly because inadvertently, we've made church about us. Not on purpose. There's, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's postmodernism. There's, there's moral relativism. There's this, there's this focus in, in today's society on the self. You know, self, you know, I'm a self-made man. I'm self-this and I self-actualize and I... And that has crept into church life where we, where we about me, about me, what God can do for me. Not you guys, it's the other services that um, I'm talking about. That's what I said in the other service as well, but it's just... But the modern church has lost the idea of sacrifice. I mean, the whole idea of the, the, there is a cross to carry. It's like, what, are you kidding me? Oh, really? There's a cross for us to, to, 
to, to carry? Even is sacrifice in, involved? And because, because some of the thinking behind this, this is, and it's not, it's not that it's bad, but it just shouldn't be the priority. And, 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 you know, I've been a pastor a long time, and people come and say to me, you know, I, I, I followed Jesus because he, because he has really helped me, and that's good. I come to church because it, it helps me. Well, at least I hope it does. <laughs> you know, I follow Jesus. I go to church because it, because it helps me be a better me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that shouldn't be the priority. I follow Jesus to, to be the best me I can be. I, I follow Jesus because it helps me in my, my life. I, follow, I go to church because... I want to be the best me I can be, and it really, really helps me. I, I, but the struggle is if you if you hold that opinion, if you hold that view, and it's a very consumer-like and like what's in it for me. But the danger is in that, and I, I saw this so clearly as I was preparing this. The danger is if you come and go, well, you know, Christ is good for me. He really helps me. What if he doesn't? What if, what if one day he doesn't help you? What if one day he tells you to do something you don't like? You know, I just don't, you know, I'm, church isn't doing it for me anymore. You know, I don't get what I used to get out of it. Pardon me, it's not about you. It's about him. And the danger is if we go, man, man, I just don't get what I used to get anymore because we're thinking it's about me and it's just about how many, you know, I'm not, I need to go. The danger is that if that's the focus on that day where you have a bad week or you have, or somebody upsets you in the life of the church or somebody's mean to you or somebody's rude at the door or whatever it is, if you, you know, stuff happens or no one rung you when you were going through, if you, if you have that kind, kind of approach, if you, you have that, I'm a victim in all of this and, and, and I'm just trying to sort and I'm trying to do it, so eventually you'll go, if, if he stops doing that, then you'll stop following him because, because now he's not doing good for me. This isn't about us. It's about him. And priests get that, right? You, you get that, right? Priests understand that. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I hope church does help us. I hope church does help you. I really do. And, and of course, I, I hope as we follow Christ, we should be better. If we're following Christ and obeying his commands and, and living according to his word, it should change our lives for the better. I'm just saying that we are not the focus. We are not the center of the story. God is. Jesus is. And sometimes, like on Google Maps, I don't know if you sometimes go too far and spread it out too wide, you need to push that button that re-centers you back to where it needs to go. I tell you, some of us need to re-center God in this thing and go, it's not about us. I mean, I hope this does help you. I hope, 
of course, as we do follow Christ, we, we, we do get better, that, that God will do those. Th- I have nothing against that, but one theologian said it like this. He said, we, we treat God, and he was especially speaking to a younger, uh, I guess, younger generation, postmodernists and all that. He, he says, we, we start treating God like a desperate boyfriend. So, so many hold this view of God as a, a desperate boyfriend. He loves you. He needs you. He wants you to come back. Come, please. I love you. But I want to tell you, he doesn't need you. You need him. God doesn't need you. But primarily, again, that should not be the reason we follow Christ or come to church. We're priests. We're not the center point of the story. We need to recenter God in our talk and in our discussion and in our lives. Too harsh? Sorry. The reason we come to church first and foremost is to worship God. And that's enough. We come to worship God. That's, that's the chief end of man. In the 16th century when battles of doctrine were going on, and I'm talking about battles, real battles, bishops and theologians met and gathered in the 16th century and said, what is this all about? What is the chief end of man? And they brought out a document, a long one and a short one, called the Westminster Catechism. And it's number one. Number what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man... It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's enough. What are we here for? Why did we come here today? We came to enjoy God and glorify Him together. Come on, would you give Him some praise in this house? That's why we came. It's not for us, it's for Him. And David understood sacrifice. We can see this in 2 Samuel 24, verses 19 through 24. Gad the prophet tells King David to build an altar to sacrifice to the Lord. He says, build it on the threshing floor owned by the Jebusite. And so David went there. And in 2 Samuel 24, verses 20 through 24, and I've cut little bits out that, that just because I want to bring it to the point and needed to shorten it a bit. But this Jebusite named Aronah, looked and saw David and his soldiers coming up towards him. He was ascending, and come, which is a pretty scary sight when you're just threshing on the threshing floor, doing your harvest, and, and soldiers, and the king is coming up the road. And Aaron looked and saw David and his soldiers coming up towards him, ascending towards him. And it says, he bowed down and said, your majesty, why have you come to see me? David answered, I've come to buy your threshing place. I have to build the Lord an altar here. Arunah said, take whatever you want and offer your sacrifice. And here's the thing, David could take whatever he wants. He's the king. He came with soldiers. He came ready. He could take whatever he wants. But David answered, no, I have to pay you what they're worth. I can't offer the Lord, my God, a sacrifice that costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing place. I want to do a little segue right now and just ask you, where is that threshing floor 
today. If you were to ask and go, where was that threshing floor? It is the city of Jerusalem. It is where the temple mount is. There should be a photo that would come up on the screen, but it is where the temple mount is today. That was the threshing field. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Him with clean hands and a pure heart. That is today where the threshing floor is, where the Holy of Holies is, where where it is. That is the same mountain upon which Abraham and Isaac stood as God provided a ram. It's the same place. It blows me away, the Bible, when you think about this stuff. That is the threshing floor. David understood sacrifice. So David is like in Psalm 141 verse 2, let the lifting of my yard... Be is the evening sacrifice. And he does this, why? Because he's, he's hallowing God. He's, he's saying, God, you are holy. Let the lifting of my yard be as the evening sacrifice. And he, he's doing it because, because it's holy. He's going, Lord, I'm lifting my yard. I'm lifting my, my hands to you because it's what you like. And I want it to be as, as a sacrifice. Because that's part of a sacrifice too, right? It's, well, that's not my thing, lifting hands and all. No, no, but it's a sacrifice, right? Yeah. It's a sacrifice. It's not meant to be, well, I'm not, I, I'm, you know, I do my thing. It's not, a, it's not about you. It's a, it's, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of pain. And sacrifices cause pain. Yeah. It's a sacrifice that pleases your heart. And for whatever reason, God, you're into it. I don't understand why you're into it, but you just, I, just, I, I and, and here's the thing, I don't need to understand it. I just need to give it to you. Yeah. 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 My God. I want to read Psalm 57, verses 7 through 8. It's another, this is another one of David's songs. King, King Saul's, we know clearly, is after his life. And this one, again, he's writing songs about it. He says, my heart is steadfast. He's giving worship to God. He says, my heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. And then in verse 8, he goes weird. In verse 8, he says, awake my glory. What? In verse 7, he's singing to God. And in verse 8, he's now talking about himself, he says, awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. Verse 8 is such a weird voice because David's going, I worship you in verse 7. And then he starts talking about himself. I'm going to awake my glory. And of course, typically in scriptures, we, 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 we talk about God's glory, God's glory. But now we find David talking about his glory. The Hebrew word used here for glory is kabod. But when we translate it as, as means weight, it means weight, not, not a person's weight or how heavy someone is. It's talking about weight in terms of what someone, someone carries. And so David is saying, God, I'm going to worship you, but I'm, I'm going to worship you with my kabod. I'm going to stir up my kabod. 
what I carry. I, I'm going to awaken my, my kabod, my, my worship, and this whole thing is multifaceted. What is it? What, what does it mean when it's talking about weight? Simply this. Think of it this way. Like I said, it's multifaceted. Let's say we're at a function and someone walks in and, and you go, who's that? And the host of the function goes, well, that's George. He's an amazing mechanic. He's incredible. I had two cars. He just took them in. He fixed them. They weren't going. He fixed them all up. That dude's amazing. Not only is he great at fixing cars, he's, he's got five kids. He's an amazing dad. I mean, he, he is just an incredible, you should get to know him. He's an incredible guy. What the host is doing there is telling you who that person is. He, he's explaining their kabad. So your kabad is what? Your kabad is what you bring to the table. Your kabad is what you, what you bring into the room. It's what you carry. That, that's what kabad is. It's that your, your kabad is the reason someone will call you on the phone and go, could you help? Because in this area or that area, your skill or that thing which you carry, they will call you on the phone because of your kabad, because you know how to sort. That's the reason someone will, will ring you up and ask you for counsel in a particular area of expertise, because that's what you carry. That's your kabad. Another part of your kabad is is your weight, your, 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 your spark, your, your dialed inness. That which you carry on the inside of you. Anita will sometimes, she's trying to talk to me and I'll be endlessly scrolling on some waste of time Instagram post. I know no one else does that. But Anita will sometimes be trying to get, get get stuff to me or she'll be talking to me and, and then I, I just lose, I lose concentration and after a few moments, it happened this week twice. And she's like, are you even listening to me? Anybody else ever, anyone who wants to? Are you even listening to me? Are, are you even here? Are you even here? Are you even in the room right, right now? And, 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 because Anita knows when I'm not there. She knows when I'm gone. She knows, I mean, I mean, I'm there, but I'm not there. God knows when you're not there. God knows when you're not there. So in worship, God has preferences. Yod is one of those preferences. That's the reason we lift our hands. That's the reason. And that's why uh, to, to, to the young generation, we need to, they need to understand why we do what we do, what it is that we do. We, we, we're called to, to lift our yard and, and, and before, before, but before him. But here's, here's the thing. You can, you can lift your hands and your heart's not there. You can lift your yard, but there's no kabad. You can lift your hands and, and, and they're not there, right? You, in, in our worship, we need hands, but we also need heart. We need yard, but we also need kabad. 
And the truth is there are, there are people that will have a radically different experience in God because one person is doing the form. They're doing the yard. Well, well okay, I'll do it. Because they're doing the form. And so one person will have that kind of experience and another who is doing the form, but their heart's in it, will have a completely different experience. They will have a completely different experience of the presence of God. They will experience the, the, the presence of God in a unique way that the other person who's just giving yad and no kabar won't. See, God wants yad with kabar. In James 4 verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then James gets into Yod and Kabad language. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, when you give God Yod with Kabad, you get God with Kabad. When you give him the sacrifices which he has asked for, the things that are acceptable to him, and you're leaning into him, you're there, your, your, your heart's in it, there's... See, you've got to understand there are certain things that are, that are tied to our heart. And that, that's why, why giving money is so important. If you're visiting here, we don't talk about money. You know that, but I need to say this. It's not a pitch. But there are certain things that are tied to our heart because, because it's a sacrifice, right? And, 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 and a sacrifice brings kabad. And so there are certain things, that's why giving money is, is important. And that's why Paul also says, he says this, he says, don't give under compulsion. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't give under compulsion. Why? Because God wants kabad. He just doesn't want, he's like, oh, just give me that no man. No, no, he, he, he doesn't just want your yard. He wants your kabad. Which is why, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because our kabad's in it. Yeah. Our heart's in it. Yeah. And when I give yard with kabad, I, I, I get God with kabad. I have a radically different experience of God's glory. God, listen, God is omnipresent, but His glory is not. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, but His glory is not. That's why people don't understand. Yes, He's everywhere, but that's why we worship, because as we worship God, He shows up in a unique way that He doesn't do anywhere else. That's why it's important to be in the room. Where the grapes are, the wine is. So I worship the way that I worship because I need his kabad, I need his glory in my life. And the Bible promises it. There's a principle in the Old Testament and it's, it's really simple. And, and, and really, you can, you can see this from Mount Carmel. You can see this through Leviticus. You can see this where sacrifice are offered. You can see this all through Scripture. It's a principle in the Old Testament that's really simple. God is faithful to show up with his yod and kabod. And he's faithful to not show up where there is no yod or kabod. 
God inhabits the praises of his people. He's enthroned on them, Psalm 22 verse 3 says. He inhabits the praises of his people. He turns up when there's Yad and Kabad. Which means what? Here's the principle. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. And so when I lift my hands, my yard, my praise, I'm, I'm giving him what he wants. And when there's, when there's a heart behind it, a life behind it, kabod behind it, it's unrestrained. You know, in my relationship with Anita, she has access to my finances. They're our finances. She has access to everything, and that's scary. Especially at Christmas, can somebody say, amen. Maybe the worship team can come. I want to do that shout to the Lord again, just just can finish off with that. I hope we can still do that. So she shares our finances. That's, that's how, how, how we do it. I don't know how you do it, but that's how we do it. But that's what a relationship is, right? It's, it's, I'm giving you the hands. Here's, as we said last week, here's the chilies. You like chilies, so here's, here's, here's the chilies. But here's the thing, when... It, when I give Anita the chilies and my dialed inness and my spark and my, my attention, I get my wife's glory. I get her kabad to speak of. And how many Christians never experience God's glory? It's so sad because we, we didn't tell them that there's, there's going to be sacrifice in this. And that God still requires it and that you're a, you're a priest. He wants your yard and kabad. But the truth is today, you, if you want to experience God, the glory of God, you, you can. You can. When we, you can when you give your yard and your kabad, when, with your, when you give your hands and your heart. when you bring what God has asked for. And that's why repentance is such an amazing thing. That's why repentance is so good because I can be imperfect in my leaning in this. I can be imperfect in my leaning into the Lord, but I can, because of repentance, I can always get back in. See, Anita knows when I'm not there and and. And she'll say, where are you? And I can say, okay, darling, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm back. I'm, I'm back. You, you, I, 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 I'm back. God knows when you're not there, but he knows when you're back. That's the beauty of repentance. And I don't know about you, but I want God's glory in my life, his kabad in my life, his divine response in my life to my yard and to my kabad. For I desire as you do to worship him in spirit and in truth. To give him my yard with my kabad.
Let us be a church that does that, lives that, walks that. And that's a bow, nicely tied on the package of the series. So would you stand and let us sing. Shout to the Lord. And as we do, let us bring our yards. Why not? If you've never lifted your hands before, why not? Just, just lift. Give a sacrifice of praise. Oh, it's not, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not my thing. It's not about your thing. It's about his thing. It's that we, he sets the terms. And would you shout? And would you sing and give praise to him today? Maybe if you haven't handed your life to him, maybe today it's like, God, I want to be a living sacrifice today. Today I present myself to you, my Jesus, my Savior. There is none like you. Let's give him glory. Let's give him in this moment our yard afresh, our kabad, our hands and our heart. Go on, just maybe just lift your hands like this a little bit. Helen.